0: Welcome to the Midwest Nice Podcast, the show with honest political discourse, Tipton Ranch. This is your host, John Flynn, and today I'm joined by Lauren Kaufman, Amy Lipka, Mary Brown Fallon, and special guest Amanda Stitt. Keep your accent strong and the summer sausage close by, because you're going to need it. Let's get the show started. dying laughing already and i'm not sure what about
1: so so lauren and i are sharing a mic today and neither of us are wearing the headphones which means we can't hear anything other than what people are saying one so of you the can wear the music started <laughs> but we chose not to
0: <laughs> yeah for those of you the listeners out there we got a big crowd today we got five of us including a uh, very special guest amanda stitt <laughs> She's here. Oh Yay. I'm so hey,
2: glad Amanda. to be here, you guys. Yeah. I didn't know that the music was actually like happening live. I thought it was maybe added later. Yeah. So that was no, this is all, it's all live. It's all for yeah. the, uh, the least
1: amount of work after.
2: It's so all
0: we have to do it all now. It's Perfect. all for the ambience Love while we're recording, but yeah, uh, Amanda is the CEO of Change Media Group where we work. And uh, long to oh, finally revealed where we actually work. <laughs> we never, never mentioned it before. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah uh and has worked for every political organization in Michigan. I'm not sure if it's all of them, but most of them uh the good ones that's the how, good ones. that's how
2: my mom feels. I think she just feels like I was constantly changing jobs.
0: yeah, well, you seem to know everybody.
2: It's been a while. I know a lot of people that happens,
0: yeah, but uh yeah, finally got you on the show. Glad to have you here um I don't know if you wanted to break into it right away, but <laughs> uh So yeah, how did you get started in politics in the Midwest? Well,
2: I'm, I'm missing a big, uh, t-ball game to be here. Um, oh, so that's oh. been a conflict. Thank you for your sacrifice. Oh, um, so, this <laughs> season, <laughs> the sad. Red Sox, the Oklahoma Red Sox. Ah. The Red Sox. Three and Similar to the Boston James. Red Sox, but different.
0: Yeah, yeah. Usually better. we do a little more witty banter before. we yeah, get Yeah, probably into it, better but... than the Red Sox. Yeah. Don't yeah.
2: Don't, t- don't tell my nan I said that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, I couldn't come up with anything to say. Yeah.
2: They all win. There, that's the the point of the the game. That's but what's wrong with that's what's wrong that. with kids. I know. These, more more liberal,
0: so more liberal nice. bullshit. I was
1: gonna say we should do that for our softball league. <laughs> <laughs> Want to win. win? Oh yeah. So,
3: yeah, Amanda, why don't you tell us a little bit how you got involved in politics? Because, yeah, mm-hmm. you do seem to know a lot of people around the great state of Michigan, and we'd like to
2: know your secret. Oh,
1: what are you? Cute. Tell us your secrets.
2: <laughs> uh, all the secrets. Uh, secrets. Well, so how I got started, leading off there, not the secrets, but I um, uh, grew up in Flint and uh, went away to school at Kalamazoo College, thought that I was going to be a psychologist and started college going down that path um but did like politics a lot had been volunteering um on campaigns uh locally and uh and so got to college and and thought you know that's just a thing I do for fun um but ended up starting the college democrats at Kalamazoo College there was not one and that was right around the time that um there was a bill that was in- introduced in the Michigan Senate, Senate Bill 306, that made it so that your driver's license and your voter registration address had to match. Damn um, it, Jerry! terrible uh and i really appreciate the leslie nope uh so uh so that was a fight that the college democrats got involved in and so i found myself in the middle of it and um we lobbied the legislature um, to try to stop it but we had the same partisan makeup then that we do now in michigan that we're trying to turn around republican governor republican house republican senate and passed um and so but that really opened my eyes to who was on Uh, What side um, in terms of Republicans trying to take away access to the voting booth and um, Democrats trying to make sure that everyone was was enfranchised. And so um, from there, I ended up working for Debbie Stabenow's historic first U.S. Senate race um, in 2000. And took off time from college to do that. Um, was her deputy field director back in the days before the van? For wow! Those people mm. who do field who know that that's an what did you do? System. Where did it, Where did every all the we data live? lists pigeons. of volunteers, <laughs> carrier pigeons. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, we <laughs> it was yeah. Uh, there were voter lists that would show up in boxes from a printer in Virginia, mm. and then we would get those. Uh, get literature out on doors follow those lists but data didn't make it back into a central place um back gotcha. in those days very often so yeah opening uh, up some eyes here heck yeah. hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so um so we uh, so that was my first campaign was really the the and for US Senate campaign and that was a, a close race um but in in that year it was decided by 40,000 votes um but Al Gore and George Bush that race was like Four hundred votes or something like that in Florida, so not close comparatively, but uh, but it was a uh, that was the the campaign that made me think maybe I want to do this for a living, maybe I want to do this for a while, and um, and so from there uh, worked on a lot of other uh, political campaigns and political organizations here in the great state of Michigan.
0: Cool. Nice. It's <laughs> a lot. So um, yeah, so you're currently the CEO of Change Media Group, and then felt a lot of positions in. Uh, politics in your career. So I was just wondering, um, why is being on this podcast right now your greatest career accomplishment?
2: It's a great question. <laughs> Thank you, John. And it is a pretty bright spot, uh, I have to say. Um, I'm pretty proud of the team here um, and all the work that you guys do and all of the people that you help. Um, and the embodiment of this podcast, I think, is pretty great. Midwest Nice um, really speaks to Think the work that we try to do together is Change Media Group um, to be helpful always to our clients and try to win, um, and and so I'm I'm just proud that that was the idea. Um, Please and clap. It was not mine.
0: <laughs> uh, so,
2: but I have to say, uh, you, Mariel asked me when I came in if this was my first podcast. Uh, the first podcast that I was involved with—not that I was on—was back in 2005 or 2006.
3: What? Did they have the internet then?
2: <laughs> <laughs> that
1: was full Tom Haver.
2: <laughs> what? <laughs> so, uh, Governor Granholm running for re-election, we put got her digital operation up and running, and uh, our digital consultant said, "You should do a podcast." And she said, "A what?" <laughs> yeah. we all said a what um so
0: we searched for yahoo mail and alta vista <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we got they asked Jeeves what asked G's that G's was <laughs> and uh
2: and so it was just an audio mp3 file that lived on our website yeah. that you could listen to the interview um and so that was before there That's was like so an apple cutting edge That's it, we were being there was a yeah there's there a lot we could talk about um with how we were being cutting edge. But. So I'm
3: very curious because you said, so like a digital consultant back then. So like, can you maybe talk a little bit about what digital was happening then versus like now we've talked a little bit about that. Obviously mm-hmm. there have been like huge changes in the digital landscape, but like interested to hear about what digital looked like back in 2005.
2: Yeah. So we were coming off of the 2004 cycle where digital fundraising was starting to be a thing Mm -hmm. where Howard Dean raised a lot of money um, through his program with like they had Blog for America they had um, this Dean bat that people who were Howard Dean supporters were trying to fill up every time they put it out there Um, if people may remember that it was uh, I think uh, they might only remember the scream yeah, people remember the <laughs> Dean scream, but there was a bat that was a thermometer um, that was driving their fundraising success online. And um, and so coming off that, there were a few people that worked for the Dean campaign that were doing consulting after that. And so I think we hired uh, a couple of them uh, to help us kind of launch the Jennifer Granholm re-election digital effort. And so that was my, my first taste of working with digital consultants and uh it was a lot of fun and um and we definitely did a lot of things in 2006 to integrate digital more into our campaign of course very far from where it is now made a lot of progress um but yeah doing the podcast was one of those things wow Mm
0: -hmm. and
2: i'm assuming it was like yeah so like blogging um blogging was a thing yeah um you know on the 2000 stabbing out campaign i remember the week that we sent our first weekly email update on nice. that campaign <laughs> so was that yeah. just
3: bccing
2: everyone pretty much <laughs> i pretty much i don't know that there was an email client that's cool situation that we we're using got on nice.
0: microsoft outlook and just sent it out copied those st-
2: thousand email addresses into. sent it
0: do people still use microsoft outlook
2: yes i yes. i do
0: you do oh you do i do oh geez yes. i'm way off boys. <laughs> We uh, we learned through a lot of these episodes how little I know. We had Sarah Cederberg <laughs> on talk about political consulting. I realized in the middle of it that I'm a political consultant. <laughs> Didn't quite. We, we hated to break it to him. <laughs> yeah, it was tough because I was saying a lot of things about, it. and then she was saying that she wasn't quite a political consultant on projects before where I thought she was a political consultant. So I was totally wrong in every front.
3: Well, because she yeah, because she was a campaign employee. So mm-hmm. when you ho- work with campaigns, but you're not employed directly by the campaign technically you are consulting for them mm-hmm. so there's a slight difference there
0: yeah there was a disconnect and uh, and we put it together for you we're yeah it's kind of an identity thing too
2: like how do you really view yourself right in this world and sure. what you service you provide but thank you John for putting Flitt, it that way you're yeah. definitely <laughs> political consultant own it
0: and we're back uh actually just dealt with a work emergency right here right now Consulting life, am I right? It's a thing that we try to push on our show is authenticity, and what's more authentic than having to stop in the middle of the podcast to fix a mistake that I just made. We were just talking about how I make mistakes and don't, uh, we were. don't, really humbling don't know a for you, lot of John. things. But we have a very and positive
4: I, work culture that um, yes. we're open and honest about those, and we fix our mistakes. So yes. We learn from them.
0: Great segue into, so yes, you're the CEO of Change Media Group right now, so... <laughs> What has been the experience for you of transitioning into working on the consulting and vendor side rather than working for campaigns and working directly for organizations?
2: Yeah. So I think the big change is uh, working with a lot of different groups, campaigns, candidates at the same time. And I like that. I really um, enjoy being able to do uh, a lot of different projects at once, Um, you know, The jobs that I've had in the past, we've had like a sole focus, one candidate, um, one election day. Um, I've also worked for organizations, but I think um, I really enjoy being able to um, have a lot of different projects going at the same time. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: A lot of different people to help and a lot of specialization, too, of the services that we're able to provide Mm -hmm. in a way that um, I think people are very appreciative of what we're able to do to help them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Our, uh, our name Midwest nice actually originates from you from, I think it was you that, cause on all the uh, sales people were saying that they liked us because we were Midwest nice mm-hmm. and that's the, uh, the origins of our name.
3: So what does Midwest nice mean to you? It
0: means Amanda? something different to everybody. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> to me, it means, uh, that we are friendly, that we're helpful and yeah, I think that's those, uh, friendly and helpful, I think. Is the thing mm-hmm. totally we're say hi? The, I agree.
0: We're not slick hair back, DC <laughs> suit wearing. Stop, Dad! Stop. Yeah, <laughs> I'm doing. Ter- yeah, I'm getting mushmouth today. <laughs> doing awful. Um. So yeah, well, while we have you here, what is the future of the Democratic Party? <laughs> let's, des- <laughs> let's decide it right here, right now.
2: Oh wow! Um, I think the future of the Democratic Party is that we come together to win against Donald Trump in mm-hmm. 2020 because we have to. Um, and I hope we don't lose sight of that. But I think uh, that defeating Donald Trump could be the thing that brings us together, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um, back together. I think things are a little fragmented. I think uh, right now we are in you know Michigan primary season, so things uh, feel a little bit divided. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's really important that we come back together and focus on winning this November and Winning in 2020. Um, and how we do that, I think, is uh, through building really strong, vibrant campaigns and organizations that uh, are bringing in a lot of people and are prepared to engage a lot of folks to uh, to win win things back mm-hmm. at all levels.
0: Yeah. I was wondering what all your thoughts are on the uh, sort of the new crop of farther left uh I guess non-establishment democratic candidates. I don't know the best way to describe them. But like who is the the big victory in New York?
2: Alexandra Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ocasio-Cortez. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean I think that there's a lot of a lot of exciting candidates in 2018. Um, the thing about elections like this is that it really I do think brings out the best of um, of the the possible candidates out there that people uh, when they look at Donald Trump getting elected they say okay it's time for me to get off the sidelines and get involved and so um, I think we do have a lot of really phenomenal people who are motivated by really important values um, who are running Um, and and so that's all spectrums across the Democratic Party Um, and I think this is kind of maybe a little bit of a political answer that I'm getting but um, it it does mean shaking things up, and I think that that is healthy um, for our party. Mm-hmm. That's great, great answer,
0: answer. great answer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so let's uh, we've uh, berated you with questions. And the establishment so can... here's
2: maybe I'll, I'll go. Okay. <laughs> okay, all right. So what is the establishment? Here we go. Keep what the, is the Democratic Party. You know, I think the the thing is, the Democratic Party is all of us who are in the party who have voted Democratic on up to. Of course, people who've been chairs of the party or held high levels of office in the Democratic Party, but the question is, how much power do you, you know, uh, kind of try to uh, to move? How much do you try to do with the power that you have as a person? Um, and so, some people have tried have uh, flexed a lot of power, and some have not uh, really tapped into it. But the the question of what are you doing um, to to help? the party and this kind of umbrella that we are in, um, that's the, the amount of power that you have. And so let's kind of dive into how can we, uh, more people um, make their voices heard in the party and, uh, and try to affect change and, and bring it along. Because I've seen over the years that I've been involved in the party, we went from having um, a Michigan Democratic Party platform that didn't really talk about choice um, at all that wasn't really a there wasn't really a pro-choice plank in the michigan democratic party platform um, and then we put jennifer granholm on our ticket in 2002 um, and that moved the party forward um, you know we've seen lgbt rights expanded and fought for in the party we've seen um, you know a higher and higher minimum wage argued for so i think it's just on all of us to just move it where we want it to go yeah. And organize. I think that's
4: Please also really a great point about um, the ballot of different folks, because you didn't see choice being a huge issue necessarily in Michigan Democratic politics until you had a woman as the face of a party in the election, and that's really important.
0: That's a great point.
3: Yeah, I think that it's also important to see like, younger folks who are coming from, like, having an organizing background who have, like, worked on campaigns. I think it's amazing and really inspiring to see them, like, run their own campaigns and then win office. I think specifically coming out of 2016 were folks, like, within the party. And in primary season, you were saying it's easy to feel, like, kind of divided right now. And I think that after 2016, um, you know, obviously there was this sense of feeling divided in the Democratic Party and some of that still lingers. But I think that everybody can agree that seeing, like, a young person who has an organizing background, who worked really hard and got a bunch of people really excited to vote and got people to turn out to vote, I think everybody can agree that that's a really positive thing to come out of um, some of that divisiveness. So I, like, kind of forget what I was saying, but I think overall (laughs) the general idea is that like i think that when folks on uh, that we're seeing like who are non-establishment quote-unquote run and win it does kind of like bring back some of this like trust in the democratic party and this idea that we can like um be open-minded and that we can accept young faces into our party that we're going to allow to like take the reins and um maybe bring us in like a new direction or bring new ideas into the party i think that that like accepting those folks, um, in a lot of ways will help to reinvigorate the party and make us stronger. Um, not that they're always, we always need to go with those candidates or, or that they always, um, need to, I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is that, um, I think that they represent a really great opportunity to kind of like help the Democratic Party, um, kind of, come together in the end because everybody just wants folks to turn out and vote. Um, So I think that they're representing a new wave of younger folks getting their voices heard in politics and that's great.
0: I agree.
1: So kind of speaking of field organizers, kind of not, I just have a question. Amanda, do you have a favorite canvassing
2: story?
0: Oh yeah. We always have door knocking stories.
2: (laughs) Oh wow. Um, that's a really good one. I'm trying to think of one. There's probably too many. Yeah. Too many to There's sort through. There's a lot. I mean, have, yeah.
0: Have you been attacked by a dog?
2: Have not been attacked by a dog. Have seen horse dogs, is all, all I could call them. That They're basically <laughs> dogs that you could really consider to be horses. They're so big mm-hmm. Um, in some pretty rough areas. Um, But... They were nice and didn't attack me, so that was good. (laughs) Um, And, oh gosh, I don't, so I think that I love asking this question of people who have been like really full-time candidates and have been knocking on doors um, for like full-time hours. Um, Yeah, a a friend has a really good story about knocking on a door and um, hearing the, someone say hello, hello, and um, and then he said, "Hey, it's you know so and so. I'm I'm running for for blah blah blah. Uh, you know, could could I talk to you for a few minutes?" And then hearing back, "Hello, hello," and and then he keeps talking, and then he hears, "Hello, hello," and then he like turns. Somehow he's able to kind of see in like the door was sort of like a screen door was open, but there was definitely not anyone there. It was a bird. He was talking <laughs> to. A bird. Oh, yeah. Really that set, is great. You really set the mood
0: of that story. You should have had a flashlight in the legs. It's spooky. So, that yeah. is a great story.
2: Mm-hmm. But not my story, unfortunately. I don't have any really funny field canvassing stories that I can think mm-hmm.
3: of. Or what about, like, who topic. were the people who were, like, most fired up that you got to talk to at the doors for, like, which candidate? Like, did you have any supporters or anybody who was, like, vehemently against you mm-hmm. who, like, would not be afraid to tell you that?
2: I mean, knocking on doors for Barack Obama was pretty amazing mm-hmm. um, because the closer we got to the election, you know, the more kind of electric the the vibe was, right. you know, where you would knock on doors and like little kids would like be begging you for literature because they wanted to like hang it on their bedroom wall. Uh, yeah, that's, that's awesome. An amazing feeling going from um, having worked for candidates where like our top issue that we were talking about was prescription drugs. Like. Uh, when you're talking about prescription drugs, there are not a lot of kids that are going to be really excited to talk to you or really know anything about the candidate that you're working for. So um, so that was, a, I think, a pretty big progression um, in terms of where we've moved also as a party. Yeah.
0: I don't know if any of you saw it today, but I think uh, Obama and Biden were spotted having breakfast together in a bakery in like New York City. It was pretty great. Some they did, posted. i
4: believe barack obama got the fennel salad so <laughs> it's a you can do when you're not president anymore you don't have to eat like a hamburger for every meal mm-hmm. uh,
0: they're just like us they're he's like, recovering from like those fennel. eight years fennel salad sounds terrible
2: to me yeah, yeah sounds it sounds awful, awful. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. but he loves you do you though so you what are you
0: do gonna you. do yeah i kind of want him to pick up smoking again <laughs>
3: <laughs> just so
2: we have something
0: yeah he can make so it that look cool. Was perfect.
3: And he was also spotted dancing at a Beyonce concert. But that's we true. could have a whole episode that's, on that. So that's let's move forward. Probably. Miss you.
0: Anyways, Miss that one. Yes we've, uh, yes. we've berated you with enough questions. So uh, we can we can take a, a fun break for a minute and get into another round of Michigan Man versus Florida Man. Well, it's actually in recent weeks, it's been uh, Michigan Man or Michigan Woman versus Florida Man or Florida Woman.
3: Hashtag equality.
0: Yep. Uh, so today it'll be mixed and uh, it's gonna be four total there could be any number of each for each state could be trick questions could be anything Um, first one blank DUI suspect claims dog was driving car not him blank DUI suspect claims dog was driving car and not him. Is that
3: Amanda a was in Michigan? Florida. Or Florida. Florida man or
0: Michigan man?
1: <laughs> Florida.
0: For me. Amanda says Florida.
1: Amanda seems so sure so I'm going to say Florida.
0: She was very assured of that.
4: It's hard because Michigan dogs are so good. It could have been a Michigan dog. They're all good dogs, I think
2: Florida.
0: Okay.
3: Alright, well I'm just going to have to guess Michigan
2: just
0: oh, to go against the we, we do call the them
2: DUIs here. So maybe hmm. that is. Uh,
0: sometimes in yeah. other
2: states, they call them different. The Bernie things. bro oh, yeah, over here has <laughs> got to go for someone
0: else. <laughs> <laughs> got to go third party.
3: All right, <laughs> calling me out.
0: All right, all right. Uh, it is Florida. Florida DUI suspect claims dog was driving car, and not him. So Scott Garrett was pulled over for driving erratically on I-95 outside of Port St. Lucie last month when officers detected the smell of alcohol coming from the car. Garrett claimed that he wasn't driving the car; his dog was. However, the excuse didn't fool anybody, as his red, very glassy, and bloodshot eyes, and bottle of alcohol in the passenger seat, pretty much gave him away. Mm. Oh, and there was no actual dog in the car. (laughs) Oh
3: my
4: God! Say that the dog was drinking. Yeah.
0: Well, last week it was the guy said that he wasn't drinking and driving. (laughs) He was only drinking when he was at stop signs and at stop lights, and he had a bottle of Jim Beam sitting in the cup holder. That was a Florida man too, I think yeah yeah. maybe he'll learn good one alright uh, next one blank man arrested for climbing Mount Rushmore apparently it's illegal
2: I think it's Michigan
4: yeah I think
0: Amanda it's Michigan, too. Michigan
3: I think it's Michigan too
4: my cousins were at Mount Rushmore
1: last week so
0: I I'm could really your hoping cousins. it's
1: not one of them but I'm also going to say Michigan okay I don't feel like either Michigan people or Florida people know, like, the rules about climbing mountains. That's true. There's a lot of crossover appeal. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to guess Michigan just because, why not?
0: Okay. Uh, You're all right. Michigan man arrested for climbing Mount Rushmore. A 19-year-old Michigan man was arrested this weekend for climbing Mount Rushmore at the U.S. Attorney's Office. The U.S. Attorney had to deal with this, I guess. Uh, Zachary... Shosau, not going to pronounce it right, was arrested Sunday by U.S. park rangers and appeared in federal court. Climbing Route Rushmore is prohibited, for those out there, uh, for preservation and safety reasons, um, violations and the fines, depending on what they did while they were doing it. Uh, So Shosau was ordered by the U.S. magistrate judge to pay a $1,000 fine and a $30 court processing fee.
4: It's confusing because it's a mountain, which you could normally climb, but it's also a president's fee. Base. Mm. So now we know
2: so. it costs one thousand thirty dollars to climb.
0: Yeah, That's it really costs way that. more than that to climb Everest. <laughs> That's you have a to great pay like, <laughs> it's, it's you got to pay like fine. fifty grand to to climb Everest. Do yeah. yeah, you really? Yeah, because you got to pay. For, you have at to stay like at a base camp you know, for like yeah. months to get your blood cell levels up, um, and all these Sherpas, and you can't just like go there. Like I didn't know that. And, stuff too, and I think that so. the government of Nepal, I think, makes you pay like hmm. a big amount of money too because. It's a big cost of them, you know, all the people that die while they're doing it. Mm. Getting dark. Okay. Uh, <laughs> moving on. Next moving on. Uh, blank woman arrested after pet spider monkey allegedly attacks Home Depot employees. Florida, we get a lot we get a lot on. of we get a lot of pet monkey ones in this. So uh, yeah, blank woman arrested after pet spider monkey allegedly allegedly attacks Home Depot employees.
3: Yeah, innocent until proven guilty.
4: The monkey
3: or the woman? The
1: monkey. We've <laughs> had monkey ones
0: before from both states. I
1: know. I'm confused now. I think Florida. Okay. I'm just going to go with Michigan. I don't know why.
2: I'll go that- with Florida, too. But I did, um, there's a uh, small animal day at MSU that happens once a year, and we met a really adorable small I hope it wasn't
4: that monkey. There,
2: Probably not. This seemed like a very nice <laughs> monkey. Very <laughs> nice and tiny. Um, but I'm going to go with Florida, too.
0: Okay. Uh, you are all right again. Or did one of you say Michigan? It was Florida. Oh, poor Amy. Uh, yeah, Florida woman arrested after pet spider monkey allegedly attacks Home Depot employees. Wow. So a woman whose pet spider monkey allegedly attacked two Home Depot employees in separate incidents, there was multiple incidents has been arrested. (laughs) Tina Ballard was arrested. Home
1: Depot employees multiple times, specifically?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Multiple Home Depot. This woman (laughs) apparently takes her spider monkey to Home Depot a the orange
4: and lack of union representation. That monkey was not happy.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, she was arrested. Uh, So, news comes after the monkey named Spanky reportedly jumped out of a shopping cart and grabbed a Home Depot cashier's shirt, leaving red marks on the cashier's shoulders and back. Uh, The incident was not initially reported to wildlife officials. And then in early June, Marilyn Howard, another Home Depot employee in, this was in Okeechobee, that's the name of the city, Okeechobee, Florida, claimed she was attacked by Spanky after she noticed the monkey roaming the store's parking lot with a leash on. So,
1: Lauren, thoughts? Yeah. (laughs) No, I just like that
4: the first time they're like, we'll let it slide, and then... The yeah. movie brought the monkey back again. See, these yeah. people
3: bother me because they're giving pet owners a bad name because you are allowed to bring pets into Home Depot. I bring my dog into Home Depot, and they have treats and stuff. She's
4: a great dog, But though. these
3: are the people who are ruining ruining the rule for I the rest of us. I don't don't bring you your should. monkey to Home Depot. Don't
1: bring your monkey to public places. No. Sorry. That's no. going to be our second piece of merch. <laughs>
0: yeah, that and uh, right to bear snakes. Um, yeah, so the, the second time the monkey escaped from uh, her truck while she was shopping inside, uh, well, she was probably a good monkey. She had the window rolled down also, and the AC on, maybe. Also, don't leave monkey in the car. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, she's, uh, she's all, the plot thickens. She's also facing a felony charge of tampering with evidence as she allegedly took the monkey to North Carolina to hide it. She had sent an email to the investigating officer stating that she was aware of the hearing and she was fleeing to North Carolina in order to hide the monkey so that state officials could not take the monkey from her. Uh, the monkey, which was in the back seat of Ballard's car when she was arrested, will be sent to a primate sanctuary.
3: That's a nice ending. That's a that a, ending. That is a silver lining.
0: Yeah. It's a nice ending, nice story. Uh, all right, last one. Blank man <laughs> caused crash, and then claimed to be the sheriff.
3: <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like summertime in northern Michigan. Could be. gets pretty wild up there. Could be. As we always say, I always want to guess, is it Kid Rock? Did, was, <laughs>
0: yeah. was that Kid Rock? It always could be. <laughs> yeah, so blank man caused crash and then claimed to be sheriff. I'm
2: going to go
4: with Michigan for sure. Michigan. Okay. Yeah, we're unanimous on this
0: one. All right. Please clap. It's Michigan. <laughs> I didn't get to use my sad trombone once. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so an Elkhart. It was actually, this took place in Indiana, but it was a Michigan man. So Elkhart, Indiana, police in Indiana say a Michigan man caused a crash and then proceeded to pull the other driver out of his pickup truck while claiming to be his sheriff. The Elkhart Truth, which this article is from, reports that 51-year-old Robert Donnelly of New Buffalo is charged with criminal recklessness impersonating a law enforcement officer and battery mm-hmm. in the crash. So the court documents say that the sheriff's officer found uh, the two men wrestling on the ground and separated them. <laughs> According to the newspaper, the truck driver told the sheriff Donnelly... Uh, told the officer that Donnelly backed into his truck and pulled him out while shouting, Sheriff's department, I'm the sheriff. (laughs) Which is definitely what people do. They just pull you out and throw you onto the ground. Um, And Donnelly told the officer he believed the other officer stole his motorcycle, and that's why he uh, intentionally hit him and pulled him out of his car, but denied, stating that he was the sheriff. Thoughts? Speechless. Thoughts, prayers?
4: So do you think his thought process was, I don't know the sheriff here.
0: I'm so not maybe
4: an, he doesn't either? No, I'm not entirely there. sure
0: he had a thought process, Lauren.
3: Okay. It was the carry yourself with the confidence of a mediocre, drunk, white man. <laughs> <laughs> you will get away with anything.
0: Could be. Very well could be.
3: No, that's that's definitely what it was.
0: Hmm. <laughs> All right. Great round. Great, you, that was this fun, is the most, You're so good at this. This is the most right. Thank you. I'm research. good at this. <laughs> <laughs> this. This is the research that I know how to do. Not oppo Years research. of research experience going on the resume. Google, yeah. Michigan man. Oppo research on Florida. Um, I don't
3: right. think you have to look that hard, though. Oppo research on Florida? No, I go, to, go, I go like to Google Ohio. News
0: and then search Florida man and then search Michigan man. And don't give away t- trade secrets, John. <laughs> yeah. It's not too difficult to find these stories. Um, That's good. Yeah, great round. Uh, let's get back into get back into something serious. Oh, I did it wrong again. I forgot to use the news intro. job. Gotcha. It's more professional. job. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, this is really professional. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not exactly a news story this week, so we just wanted to have a uh, discussion on the the overall state of unions in the Rust Belt in the Midwest. There's been a lot, uh, some new developments recently that I think Lauren can enlighten us on, and there's always been sort of a war against unions coming out of the republican side and coming out of the big corporate side and obviously right to work was passed a while ago and that really uh hampered union efforts and has been holding it back for quite a while um and now what's what's the new development lauren well first <laughs> can we can we
3: back up for a second because i think that there's a lot of confusion and it's supposed to be confusing because right to work sounds like it's pro worker but obviously it's tricky and it's meant to be tricky. So can we talk about like what right to work is and then like what's going on? Lauren, take it away. Yeah,
4: the proper (laughs) spelling of right to work includes quotes around the phrase. So I highly recommend that. Um, So right to work um, is generally the idea that workers should be able to opt themselves out of paying union dues in their workplace um, or not joining the union. But um, if you know anything about unions, it's that their goal is to raise wages for all of the employees in a workplace and also across the economy. Um, There's been a lot of really great research um, coming out recently about how helpful they've been with that. Um, So it's not really a right to It's a right to not pay dues that are helping to increase your standing at your workplace, Um, which obviously uh, the free rider principle means that um, other people are paying for the improvements in benefits and wages that you're getting. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's important that everyone participates in the union. That's how you strengthen your union, and that's how you get greater bargaining power at the table. Mm
0: So when exactly do they start pushing for communism, Lauren?
4: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, there's the unions like the Democratic Party are a big tent party, so a lot of people have a lot of feelings. Um, But um, actually, this right to work stuff is coming up because in Missouri, there is Prop A, which is on the ballot. Um, this fall, which would um, create, make Missouri a right-to-work state like we have here in Michigan. And Michigan had a really great fight um, when it happened here and the people of Missouri are putting up a really great force and they've been doing some really great ads. Um, I think John Goodman was in one of them, which is really exciting. Um, And the um, workers there, both with the UAW and the AFL-CIO, those are the ones that I've seen out most, um, have done a really amazing job of making People make sure that making sure that people know that it's really bad for their state overall if um, their unions are damaged. Mm
2: -hmm. Right. And despite the passage of right to work um, in Michigan in 2012, we've actually seen some growth in union membership in the state of Michigan. Um, So I think uh, that for a lot of people, too, that are in unions, um, you know, kind of that fight kind of crystallized who was on their side too, to some extent, um, and you have organizations like the Mackinac Center brr, uh, <laughs> based in Midland, Michigan, um, that uh, has been pushing uh, the right to work anti-worker agenda for a long time um, in Michigan and across the country and have been trying to get people to opt out of their unions. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, in today's world with the, the way that, you uh, you know we're we're seeing teachers you know standing up and fighting back in a lot of states uh where you know they're just not getting paid enough um we're not seeing uh enough people go into teaching for example um teachers having to work two or three or four jobs um to make ends meet you know uh it's clear that people need not, unions now more than ever so
0: mm-hmm. yeah unions have always been i always I guess like to say that the only reason that I think my family got lifted up into the the better position than when, well, when my far back ancestors came to this country from like Ireland and Poland and kind of a mixed bag of different people and then um, broke into the middle class initially out of the lower class was that um, my grandpa in particular, well, uh, one grandpa was a, a, a UAW member, auto worker, uh, and the other one uh, joined the operating engineers as a crane operator and that uh got him a really good job and he always had really great stories about having the ability to cuz he was working construction pretty much his whole life and would end up before he was in the union having to do a lot of dangerous things and uh things that he wasn't comfortable with and he saw a lot of people get maimed and hurt and not be able to work anymore but then once he was in the operating engineers union he could basically you know his bosses would tell him to do something that He wasn't comfortable with and he could tell them to screw off because he knew he could the union would help him and he could find another job and that wasn't a uh he wouldn't have to worry about um choosing either his own safety or his family's well-being and so that definitely yeah the the operating engineers in particular sort of brought our family as a whole into the middle class and that's continued I guess the uh the whole American dream since then of people starting to go to college and uh, and some people still in unions and keeping that up
2: yeah was a... your I was just going to ask, was your grandpa always early wherever he went?
0: yeah, yeah, very like an hour <laughs> yeah. an hour early, yeah. yeah,
2: like clockwork that was that 's the thing about working with operating engineer volunteers mm-hmm. is that they would always show up an hour before you asked them to be there, so you 'd always have to be there an mm-hmm. hour early to greet them because you know it 's just like the because in order for a job site to work uh they would have to be there to start the crane moving. So it's um, a really good tip. Yeah. That's so if an you're answer. ever <laughs> working with operating engineers mm-hmm. on a campaign. Very early nice. nice.
0: So the as far as the state of unions, especially in Michigan now, what was the recent development, uh, something new about police and fire unions?
4: Are you talking about the Janus? Yes. Okay, (laughs) great, yes. So Janice applies to um, all public sector unions, and it basically creates sort of a right to work um, for all of them, saying that uh, workers can't be compelled to join a union, can't Mm -hmm. be compelled to affiliate with a union, um, which undoes a lot of um, precedent that we've seen at the Supreme Court in the past, and kind of changes the way that things are viewed. Um, I've heard a lot of really positive outlooks coming from public sector unions about how their members are sticking with the union. And like Amanda said, there has been growth here in Michigan, which is a right to work state for all unions. So um, there's some reason to be concerned because that does, you know, that's a new law that's on the books. That's something that the Supreme Court has decided. And hopefully there'll be other cases where they can refine it a little bit. Um, But we'll see.
2: Right. And just, I think, a classic situation where they exempted police and fire from right to work, um, in 2012. Um, but then, you know, here you have corporate special interests who are dominating the Supreme court right now. And it seems like for a little while to come here, um, who, you know, chose to include them. Uh, and so, um, it's really, it's terrible. And I think, you know, and I said, you know, yes, union membership is increased in Michigan. Um, uh, but it's also the economy coming back. Um, but at the same time you have unions like the UAW that, um, in their contracts negotiated to bring jobs back right. to America from overseas. Um, and I think that's a story that really doesn't get told, is that um, they were really trying to um, you know, bring more jobs, more production back to the United States mm-hmm. through th- the contracts, and that's something that unions can, can fight for, can bargain for.
4: Yeah, and I think that's a really great point, too, just talking about the state of unions, is that it's not just about Increasing wages for yourself. It's not just about increasing, you know, making sure that you get yours. It's about helping your community, and that it's really about strengthening communities. And so many families and communities here in the Midwest have seen the benefits of that, and it really helps um, our states in general when our unions are strong.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, a cool thing, since we're on the topic of unions, that I wanted to mention is that, um, so we talked briefly before about. Um, The campaign workers guild that was just formed and how the other day the i believe the ohio democratic party became the first or maybe it's their coordinated campaign workers became the first um, like statewide um, campaign workers to unionize in any state um, which is pretty great and i think that like these younger people who are now um, getting more involved in politics are understanding that like you know democrats can talk the talk and now it's time for them to walk the walk and make sure that we're treating all of our workers fairly, including campaign workers. So I was just wondering what you guys thought about like this kind of like, I, I see that as like an interesting resurgence of unions in a way, in a place that you don't, you haven't traditionally seen unions. So I'm wondering, just looking for hot takes. what do you think about that? Hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody has hot takes.
4: Yeah, recent research um, has shown that young people have a lot of faith in unions and realize how important they are to their well-being and the well-being of our economy. Um, So you're seeing a lot of people in non-traditional workplaces. Mm -hmm. So I think a sixth of the UAW membership is in higher education, Mm -hmm. um, which a lot of people don't know because you generally say United Auto Workers. um, Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, there are a lot of different sectors and they've had some really great victories, um, especially at Harvard this spring. So you're seeing a lot of young people as the gig economy. People like to talk about that, but you also have a lot of young people who are putting their faith in unions and um, going that way, too. Yeah,
2: another great example of a victory um, here in Michigan was in uh, in Ann Arbor and across the University of Michigan system, um, the uh, lecturers um, who are mostly have PhDs um, and were making... Like crazy low salaries for people as qualified as they were, um, and I believe got a fifty percent increase um, in their salaries um, through AFT. Um, so that's that's a big deal, and I think that you know if you're a younger worker, that's like probably you know that's the only union that you've been a part of, but to understand mm-hmm. that there are people that are fighting for you, not just to um, you know try to negotiate with employer an employer, but to use political pressure to um, try to to win some real significant
0: victories. So mm-hmm.
1: A flush with cash.
0: They're flush with cash now. <laughs> yeah. You guys can hear that? Oh, you have the headphones out like that. That's neat. Neat. <laughs> Not on our heads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Innovative. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought of it. Young <laughs>
3: people so innovative these days. Um,
0: yeah. So uh, in conclusion, union's good. Corporation's bad. Bad. Yeah. Uh,
4: but they can work together. They can to build great products
0: through unions.
4: <laughs> but there's got to be the together. union, They're union labor.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, let's let's end this on a on a silver lining. We have a uh, we have a happy hour to go to.
4: Am I gonna cry during this one, John?
0: You might. Yes. You might just from the <laughs> headline. So uh, yeah, the the headline of the story is Michigan town inaugurates feline mayor. This is a yeah. <laughs> real That's life. Amazing. Yeah, so uh Lelanau County, Michigan, the village of Omina, Omina Omina, inaugurated its fourth mayor Saturday morning, a 9-year-old cat named Sweet Tart. <laughs> uh Omina has had a four-legged mayor for more than a decade and has used the election to raise money for its historical society. They said I think uh it's like a dollar donation per vote, which sounds it's there, but yeah. but it, it's—I think it's because they're a village; they're not a. Do they not need
1: know. a mayor? Do they like, not need they a guns? real mayor?
0: I think probably not because they're a village, but I have no idea. Don't
1: underestimate sweet <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> <Anyways>. <laughs> that was rude. So,
0: uh, yeah, uh, the society's president, who throws this, Keith Disselcone, uh said, "This is by far our largest total. We suspect that there were many votes coming from outside of the immediate area because of our internet reach and because of our publicity." and because of the ability to receive votes from PayPal. It's really expanded the number of people that have participated. Uh, so Sweet Tart campaigned against 13 dogs, a peacock, a goat, a chicken, and another cat, all of which were <laughs> awarded positions in the village council. So that's, yeah, this is, they gave all of the positions because they didn't want any of the animals to feel bad that they lost.
2: Participation trophies. Yes,
0: this is like uh, the T-Ball League. Um <laughs> So the the new mayor won't have to make many administrative decisions. If necessary, Sweet Tart won't need to learn to write uh, because Disselcone said they have their paw. We accept paw prints. Legal documents can be executed with a paw print.
1: Were there any examples of administrative decisions that they would have to make?
0: Um, Let's think about this. I don't know. What would a cat have to sign off on? I'm really confused about this town in general.
4: Fishing licenses. Ooh.
0: Mmm. That'd be a great pun. That's all I've got. There's a great joke. Gr-
3: Fishing licenses.
0: There's a great joke in there somewhere, Lauren, and we're going to find it. We're going
3: to get there. Yeah. Well, That's I guess sweet. that once, like, you know, we we're seeing this, uh, our that our country elected Donald Trump, they were like, okay, it's time to go back to basics. Let's put real wholesome people or animals in
4: office. I really love the idea of need. like a goat making zoning decisions. So. Yeah. Oh, me too.
0: He's a little bit, Trump is a little bit like a cat though. Like he'll just <laughs> stare right at you. And then like, it's a, like a glass of water is the trade deal. And he's just like,
3: <laughs> punches
0: it, you know it and looks at you while, it, while they're doing it yep. and has no remorse. Yep.
2: This is charming.
0: Um, yeah.
2: I, I, I think I've been to Omina. Uh, didn't know this about them. Um, you didn't mention in my bio that I was the chair of the disciplinary committee for the Michigan Board of Veterinary Medicine. Oh. So, Ooh, that sounds scary. Yeah. Well, we we took away licenses from bad vets. Um,
0: right. I thought you were and... disciplining cats is where no, this was I leading know. to. <laughs>
3: what is a bad, like, so, like, they just abuse their pow- their power?
2: Yeah, awesome. <laughs> uh, often it's, like, the... Uh, lack of record keeping mm. um not mm. appropriately yeah performing different surgeries and substance abuse issues things like that can be involved mm. gotcha did I'm you sad, but.
0: did you whack them in the nose with a rolled up newspaper <laughs> <laughs> nope. is that a good enough joke for this uh, That's a good one, that's a good one. Uh, trying to but bring it, your, i really yeah. did yeah anyway um, so, yeah, prior to being named mayor, Sweet Tart was the village's <laughs> vice mayor. And she will remain in office for three years until the Omina mayoral race of 2021. So if anyone has a new candidate, you know, a non-establishment cat candidate that they want to nominate. to uh... It looks
2: like the dogs really need to make some decisions here mm-hmm. so that they can win power back. Because 13 dogs and only two cats running is just crazy. They're I just Googled it.
1: And there's another another headline that says sweet tart beats out 17 other candidates for the mayor's spot Interesting. <laughs> wow.
4: i think yeah. we should take one of these animals on as a client in 2021 we could that's, i think that's the lesson. i
0: can't think of one good reason why we wouldn't <laughs> besides the fact that a cat is incapable of raising money
4: well um, it seems like this cat did a really good job it's mayor now
0: yeah yeah i guess you don't want to don't sweat the technique um great episode <laughs> been struggling with these transitions all episode um well amanda it was great to have you on
2: thank you for been having me you guys this trying fun. to figure this
0: out for a while i know it's more difficult when you own children when you have children own <laughs> so
2: children yes maybe amelia could join you guys sometime oh my she god that would be say. great we would love yeah. that
4: we have a lot of Sesame Street to catch up on, so that would be really good if she could give us a little recap. She's mm-hmm. not
2: really watching Sesame Street these days. It's more about Master Chef Junior. Is she oh.
4: following oh. their Instagrams so. though? It's important. Yeah. That's. Uh, Maybe we could catch her up on Sesame Street then. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: yeah, it's a great show. He's so nice to those kids. Yeah. He's so encouraging.
3: Who? Gordon, Gordon Ramsay. Ramsay. You uh, ever watched the show with? Oh, kids? I thought you were talking about Sesame Street. I was like, no, who? No.
0: <laughs> no, that that place is a cesspool. <laughs> It's a All liber, right. liberal cesspool <laughs> of indoctrinating our children. Cut it. Uh, let's cut <laughs> it. Yeah, but we're uh we're glad to finally have you on and uh it's a it's a hot crowd today. five of us in here <laughs> instead of four. It's a good time, always a good time and uh and uh yeah right. so i'm gonna tell you that you can yeah. follow
3: us on twitter at midwest nice cast and that is our same handle on instagram except with midwest nice podcast or you can find us and subscribe rate and stream on our really long website which is
0: midwest Nice Co. that's it
3: that's
0: it that's all we got
3: thank you amanda Until next Thanks week. You guys. bye